0: Hey everyone, welcome to the Acrobatic Arts Podcast. I'm Lauren, and I will be interviewing some of the top leaders and innovators from the dance and acrobatic industry. If you are a teacher, performer, student, or a lifelong learner like myself, you are sure to find these episodes intriguing and full of inspiration. Acrobatic Arts is passionate about providing current and relevant information for everyone. So please, Sit back and enjoy as we share our passion with you and the world. If you are looking for teaching tips on how to improve an aerial, then this episode is for you. I'm talking with acro dance expert, Drew Burgess, and we discuss all the ins, outs, and ups and downs of the side and front aerial. Drew Burgess, hello and welcome to the Acrobatic Arts Podcast.
1: Oh my goodness, Miss Loren, thank you so much for having me. It is a true pleasure and honor to be here with you today.
0: I'm so happy we finally got you on the podcast. And as a first-time guest, I would love if you could tell the listeners a little bit about yourself, where you grew up, how you started in dance and acro, and ultimately, the great things you are doing now.
1: Okay, (laughs) that is a list. I, I will try to stay as on task as possible. Uh, I grew up in Millersburg, Ohio, in a very small town dance studio and started with gymnastics and tumbling. A little bit of everything uh, kind of dabbled here and there and and was really inspired uh, by the 96 games, the Olympic games. And that's when I wanted to really go with a gymnastics route and path. And I sought out a, a a private like gymnastics coach, Um, We were driving an hour and a half or more for, you know, uh, private lessons and all that. And then eventually that coach happened to move a little bit further away, um, like, like three more hours away. And so my mom was like, how about that dance studio? Just do everything on your other side. You know, like everything that you've done in your gymnastics training, kind of transfer that to dance do stuff on the other side now and, um, you know, get a little more even if anything is already kind of quote unquote too easy for you, you know, it'll be harder if you do it on the other side. So like, that was kind of a, a, a great thing that my mom kind of just sort of let me kind of find and angle me into, if you will, um, I'm very grateful that I grew up in a very hardworking small town in Ohio, Um, and then I moved to Los Angeles uh, after winning a national title. I won junior Mr. Dance of America, um, and then eventually I was Mr. Dance of America as well, so I grew up in that competitive dance masters circuit and now still work for Dance Masters of America and Dance Educators of America as well. Um, I'm on faculty with acrobatic arts now. Um, I'm also uh, working with a lot of teachers uh, and I choreograph and I judge for a lot of different dance competitions and conventions out there. I'm always kind of going here, there and everywhere. And I'm very grateful to literally be living my childhood dream. All I wanted to do was be a, a teacher and sort of recognized as somebody who loves to share the passion of dance with the youth and with the world, Um, not even just kids anymore. I'm, I'm doing more and more teacher workshops as well.
0: That's quite the journey, Drew, and I want to give you a big congratulations. You have achieved so much and it really does sound like you are living your passion, which is always wonderful for everyone that I know. So congratulations.
1: Thank you so much.
0: Now this podcast is going to focus specifically on the side aerial and a little bit on the front aerial but before we talk about that there is something that I just have to ask you a few years ago you taught at the Accelerate Acro Convention and I had some students that attended this event, and when they came back to the studio, after taking classes with all the new instructors, and so of course I asked them, you know, what did you learn at the convention? And they were so excited to tell me and show me, and one of the things that they all remembered was shoulder Deer's. Now, I, I, it took me a while to figure out what they were saying, and then it took a while for them to explain it to me, and they were, they were like, Miss Loren, you have your shoulders and you have your ears, but when we're doing our handstands, we want our shoulders up to our ears, so we don't have shoulders or ears anymore, now we have
1: ears. <laughs> yes, you, you sandwich those two together. Okay. Sometimes those, I am I, guilty as charged. That was me. <laughs> That's totally a little a little thing that I use in class, um, and it's one of those uh, I don't know. Kind of, it, it doesn't work for every kid, but every now and then, there's a few kids that like I don't know latch on to kind of the the bit of humor side of things that I try to bring in every now and then. And yes, that is me. Should ears is a thing that I say and I use in class.
0: <laughs> well, it worked. And so like any good teacher, I have stuck with it and I keep using it with my younger ones. They especially love it. I just wanted to make sure that that was you and uh, give you credit because... I
1: appreciate that so much. I'm so glad that they connected well with it and that they remember all those details about it. It's yeah, perfect.
0: it really did help. So I can't wait to talk about side aerials because I am sure you're going to have lots of great tips just like that. So let's get started with our side aerials. The first thing I just want to ask is why does it feel or why do you think the side aerial is one of those skills that sort of everyone needs to have in every routine?
1: Well, it okay. It is impressive. It there is an element of surprise, especially when done well and executed beautifully. It can be a very lovely, you know, kind of uh, little sparkle on top. It's like you know, glitter confetti, right? Like it's it's kind of a fun thing to do, especially a really good one it has a nice resemblance of a center leap upside down. So there is something that is kind of lovely to see when done well, but because so many people have seen it done well, like beautifully, you're also going to see people who are still working on it. <laughs> and it doesn't necessarily mean that you shouldn't put it in the dance, but we have to be uh, just really specific about our expectations and about that journey that we're expecting our dancers to go on with their side aerial throughout the process. Oftentimes, if they're running all the way across the stage to do a tumbling pass, it already loses its luster before it's even <laughs> begun. So it's not that it's a bad thing. I'm I, Listen, I am all for putting elements in, in dances that you know kids need to work on. But especially if we're talking about a safety factor here, too, which we always are with acro dance. We want to make sure that they're not going to hurt themselves and that the audience isn't going to gasp like in a bad way mm-hmm. <laughs> whenever this, you know, skill gets kind of thrown or, you know, sort of chucked across the floor. It shouldn't have that pinging effect. It should have that like pow effect, if you will.
0: Right. And so, as a teacher, how do you know that your students are ready to start this skill?
1: Well, I would say once they've mastered Minimum 16 cartwheels that I can think of off the top of my head, and even more like 18, honestly, before they even are really attempting it. So, we want to make sure that we're going through that lovely skill ladder and working those progressions with our dancers each week. But I would also say that you can sort of tell when they have that strength and confidence with that flying cartwheel, especially when it's done well on both sides of the body. You know that they're ready to start trying that side aerial and and really going for it even more. I highly encourage everyone to make sure that you're working on both sides of the body with these cartwheels. A lot of times we start to, especially as they get closer and closer to that side aerial, we tend to want to get more one-sided with them. But as soon as they have one side of the side aerial, we need to have them do the next. <laughs> so it's, it's never a just focus on one side. The more that they're working both sides of the body, the sooner these side aerials will be acquired.
0: I think it's different for each student, obviously, but I find that either they don't get enough height or they don't have enough speed or their split isn't big enough. How would you get your
1: students to get more height? Well, you could always start them on a stack. Um, And, you know, I tend to take less and less of a prep with my dancers for for them doing these side aerials and, and attempting side aerials the oftentimes if they run too much or they chasse step hop just too much and they tend to not go up on their prep the aerial will sort of ping or like fling itself across the floor and instead we want that height which is what we're talking about in order to create that, I'd say that they have to really make sure that they're getting that powerful arm swing from their triceps. So a lot of times I do like modern arm swings with my dancers, like where that we have that swing and release effect. So that way they understand that their triceps swinging behind them is actually going to pop them into the air even more. It just sort of depends. It's obviously a case-by-case basis, but oftentimes dancers just don't get the full range of motion out of their shoulder sockets. So even checking out their flexibility through their shoulders is actually pretty crucial, especially for side and even more for front aerial.
0: And what about speed? How would you get them to go faster?
1: To create more speed and power, obviously that's going to come from that heel drive and, and of course, the coordination of the heel drive with the arm swing. I encourage my dancers to have that up-down-up effect with a side aerial. It should be really high and tight and loopy, and it really shouldn't be long and traveling. So we want a really tight cartwheel and a tight side aerial. It's almost like a pushing down into the floor to get up for that hurdle and then back down into the floor again to rotate around. Oftentimes it's about height and rotation and less about that distance that dancers want to cover. So um, sometimes you create even more power by actually starting from a power hurdle or even just from going a nice strong step hop with a really, really powerful arm swing. And that passe or degage, like positioning of the leg in the hurdle would be like kind of a dancer's choice thing. Some dancers really love that passe or retire position um, going into that side aerial to push down harder. Some dancers love that degage. I love both aesthetics. They they definitely make me happy, especially with pointed feet. (laughs) Yes, exactly.
0: I think sometimes we lose that. We still need to maintain nice technique in these skills.
1: Right. If they can do it with busted technique, there's definitely a a better chance of them doing it even better when they apply good technique to it. (laughs) So it's an important moment to even touch on the fact that dancers need to be cross training in their ballet and jazz and modern classes and contemporary classes as well. That outside training that is really worked on in other classes like those straight legs and pointed feet and use of proper plie and tracking, all of those things are so crucial in acro dance. And we don't not necessarily get enough time in every class because we always try for so much skill acquisition as well. So it's a fine balance, right? We have to make sure that our dancers are being well trained, not just in acro, but in all forms of dance. Very good point.
0: What would you say about the landing?
1: Well, like with every great and beautiful acro dance element or skill, the start, the middle, and the finish, right? The finish is everything. So you want to make sure that that finish is clean and smooth and beautiful and light and hold up and, you know, just well executed and exquisitely refined. In a quote-unquote bad side aerial or a side aerial that's not maybe quite, like, quite ready for the stage, you would probably hear two feet landing really quickly, like, ba-bump. If in a well-executed side aerial, you would really only hear that first leg that lands. You're not really going to hear two sounds at the end of a side aerial that is executed beautifully. That second foot coming down through that nice fondue of plie and weight transfer, I mean, it's even optional for that second leg to come down as side aerials, you know, are progressing and advancing throughout variations that we, uh, you know, that we all know and love as well. Um, But we want to make sure that that landing is as well thought out and just well planned as as the rest of the cartwheel. The finish is everything, and oftentimes... The finish uh, for dancers, they they think that it's done when they're mid-air and then they kind of walk or run out of the skill. And that's not actually going to help them long-term to achieve that control that we would need to finish the skill itself. So even if it's not perfect every time and maybe they put their hands down, at least they're still finishing properly with control. Every time that that core gets activated and you're using those feet and that nice fondue weight transfer, there's there's magic happening there. It's ju- it just takes a minute sometimes for us to get that, you know?
0: Let's say your student has everything, and we do get this question a lot on Facebook. You know, my student is so close. What am I missing or what can I tell them? When they basically have it, but they're still putting their hands down, how do you help them get the courage to actually do it?
1: Well, I'm not above bribery. (laughs) I'm just going to be honest. I'll throw it out there. Every now and then, it takes like a $5 Starbucks card or a Tim Hortons or a Dunkin' Donuts gift card or like actual cash, a dollar. So like, I mean, I've even heard of teachers putting up a, uh, I think even it might be our owner and founder, Miss Mandy Yip, um, I believe she, ha- she put up a Lululemon gift card on the wall. Like, I think it was like a 50 or or $100 Lululemon gift card on the wall one year. She taped it to the wall and said the first person who handstand walks all the way across the room gets the Lululemon gift card. That card stayed up there for like two years. And then finally, one kid walked all the way across the floor. with It earned the card. And then the next week, she had like four others that all walked all the way across mm-hmm. the floor. So it's sort of like... You have to get the ball rolling and sort of grease those wheels, sometimes with cash or bribery. I am not above (laughs) it. I'm sorry. (laughs) I love it. I love it. I do the same thing. And sometimes it's not even anything fancy. I mean, you can get stuff from the dollar store and be like, you won this teeny tiny trophy that cost me a dollar and 25 cents or whatever it is, you know, like. Or you could even take a picture with them and put it in a small picture frame, like, you know, got like their first side aerial day. I mean, we can all be really crafty with it if we want. There's lots of ways of rewarding our kids, even uh, that, that doesn't necessarily single them out, but also sort of like features the entire studio as well. Banana Split Club is a fun one that I've seen before. So like you have one scoop, two scoop, three scoop, when you have flat splits or, you know, nearly square splits. In all, you know, in like your right split, your left split, your center split kind of a thing. You can do that with pirouettes as well. So it's not even just rewarding the side aerials, but you can reward all forms of dance with, you know, with those fun little things.
0: I love the banana split. I haven't heard of it that way before, but I'm... Gonna use that too.
1: Yeah, also, it's a fun one. And then when you have all three splits, you get like an ice cream sandwich or you get like, you know, like you can you can give them a coupon or a, you know, a, a little like gift card to go get ice cream or something.
0: Yeah. What are your thoughts on the mats? I know some dancers achieve their side aerial on the mats and then they have a really, really tough time. Again, maybe it's courage, maybe it's a mental block, but how do you transition them from the mat to the floor?
1: So sometimes I'll use uh, yoga mats, uh, like, you know, kind of of in a longer uh, stretched out, like kind of strip. I have a couple long yoga mats that are really handy for that. It kind of depends on a case-by-case basis with the kids. Oftentimes, once they have that side aerial and they can show me five, six, seven of them in a row, I know that they're going to be coming more and more confident on the mat. I think it's really handy to have actual mats that are pretty firm instead of like the ultra squishy mats. Um so oftentimes I I've, I've been very lucky with a facility that does have extra wide and extra firm panel mats and they are so great, so simple, so easy to clean, but they are a they are a huge blessing for acro dance because of their width and because of their firmness. So I find that if you've been training on a squishy mat or even on like a gym surface, it does become a little bit more fearful. Uh, to execute that side on a harder surface. But if you have like firm panel mats that are quote unquote, not dead, it's sort of like uh, when point shoes die, like you, you got to let them go, you got to retire them. And sometimes those older mats might just be a little bit too forgiving and they're not actually giving enough support. So it feels more like a firm surface. I would say that like, again, with the courage thing, they're going to get more and more comfortable with it as they just try it more and more. So just like anything, like any activity, we don't start out being masters at it by the first time we do it. It takes 10,000 hours to become a master at something. That's a lot of side aerials. So, you know, keep going, fighting the good fight each week and each each day, working on it more and more and just building up that confidence slowly but surely. There's lots of mental blocks that can, that can come with acro dance. Um, About not even necessarily side aerials, but back handsprings can be a block for some kids, back tuck. Even if they've already had these skills, they might have a fall or a mishap at one time, and then they get, you know, that little bit of uh, anxiety about, you know, doing that skill again. But just like with anything, slowly but surely working through those progressions and taking it back through that skill ladder, those skills can be acquired again with confidence and on the dancers, like obviously with the the coaches and, you know, teachers help, but um, you know, we just have to keep referring back to that skill ladder whenever we are working through those mental blocks.
0: What are your thoughts on the arm positions? From what you've said, you're going to use the nice straight arm swing when you first start teaching them? And then once they've mastered it and they do feel comfortable, what do you feel they should aim for next? Or what do you like to see?
1: Well, oftentimes before adding crazy, wild, interesting arms, I try to work on transitions in and out of it that are kind of more fun and exciting. Like you can, you can chené or chasse entournant. You can, you know, do an inside parallel pas de chass. Uh, like, you know, you know, on turning into the side aerial, you can illusion into the side aerial. there's so many fun things that you can, you know, kind of go in and out of it. I love doing arabesque to side aerial with my dancers. I love seeing arabesque, uh, sorry, uh, side aerial to like th- through the arabesque line, then pulling into passe, then going down to a bridge or, you know, fun things like that where you can sort of just build on top of it. As far as the arms go then, once I've like, you know, kind of exhausted a few of my resources (laughs) with some variations, and and I know that they're really confident and specifically working on both sides of their side aerial and or have it on both sides may not be quite as pretty on one side but still has it, I will let them cross their arms in front, put their hands on their head, uh, put their hands on their shoulders, arms behind their back, hands on hips with thumbs forward, um, you can do jazz hands behind their back, which always looks fun if they're facing upstage. But I remind them that their preparation arms are not taken away. So that way they're always using that nice, you know, the, the nice stretch of their arms, even if they're just coming from a tondu preparation and not necessarily hopping even into it or hurtling. But their arms do still have to stretch up to create some type of quick pop with the tricep before the arms go to a fun, cool variation on a theme, right? Um, hands around the face, you can make it look like a very voguey moment to upside down. (laughs) There are so many fun things that you can do. You can be reaching through to the audience. You can, you know, really let your hands fly super back, like, and super high away from you with your, you know, palms extended and flipped and, you know, fingers flared. You can really play around with a lot of fun details once they have that height and pop effect and when they're not pinging across the floor as much.
0: And I think I remember you telling me a story about a choreographer that used the side aerial, not as sort of a highlight
1: skill, but yes. as a transition. Can you tell us about that? I remember watching a piece. This was a while ago. I was watching a piece and, you know, the dancers were all standing out kind of like spokes of a wheel in a circle. And they used a side aerial as a transition to get to the next formation. They were all looking away from, you know, away and like, you know, kind of out, like sort of like in the round, if you will, away from the audience or to the audience, depending on where, you know, they're at in the circle. And they all stepped in with their tonded foot and they all side aerialed and landed perfectly into a new formation. I lost my mind in such a great way because it was it kind of came out of the blue and it was used literally as a transition step. It wasn't used like we're walking there or we're running there or you know we're tripleting there. I mean, hello, I love walks and runs and triplets and I I use them throughout all the choreography that I that I um that I, that I put out there. But it was so exciting to see a side aerial used literally as a four count like one two three four and you're there and it was so like so like breathtaking because it was all so well executed and the trust factor was like exquisite because you know they all had to do it like it wasn't an option they all had to get there in that four counts and doing a side aerial I mean you have to make sure that those legs are straight and those feet were pointed and they were it was So epic and so like, oh, fire. I wish I knew who choreographed it and or who trained those dancers because I mean, that was some phenomenal teamwork right there.
0: One way you can really know that you're, Dancers have their side aerial is when it's not a highlight skill
1: anymore. It becomes the the like random four count transition, not right the, not the featured pop, like, oh, this is the amazing clap for this year.
0: <laughs> I mean, just seamless, effortless. That is the what we're all striving the for. Ultimate goal.
1: Yeah. yeah. True dance
0: The ultimate goal. And now that they've mastered their side aerial, or maybe do you teach the side aerial before the front aerial?
1: Oh, absolutely. I definitely work on side aerial before front aerial. There are kids that love to try, you know, of of course, their front aerial a little bit sooner maybe than necessary. But for the most part, my kids have to show me that they can all do a beautiful, tight front walkover with two hands and with their opposite arm and same arm as leg and all finishing with that final leg in degage or passe. Um, Just because their hips have to stay so much more stacked and lifted throughout the process. And oftentimes I find that they pike or sit or or kind of make the skill look similar to a flip to sit. And I don't want to encourage that at all. So they have to show me both sides of those front walkovers with that final leg off the floor, not even coming down on that final foot. I even uh, have worked on it with a few of my dancers coming up to more of like a releve and fourth position, which has definitely helped with you know keeping the hips up. But I don't like encourage that for every dancer because obviously we want that final heat, like that first landing foot to actually get firmly planted on the floor. But um, there are a few cases every now and then where you, you know you're working with dancers and you sort of have to individualize or customize some of these progressions to help them through these skills. So sometimes the progressions have progressions, and with front aerial, um, and as we're working towards that, side aerial is an absolute requirement, but a beautiful front walkover on both sides of the body that does not have the the dropped or sitting pelvis, a lifted finish that could really go anywhere, that's when I know that they're going to be ready for attempting front aerials. And then once you start working on them, would you say the mechanics are very similar to the side aerial? They have similar qualities. Um, obviously, with a side aerial, you're going to be more open at, especially at the peak of it. You might take off more square, but you'll be open, um, like at the very height or peak of the side aerial. Whereas in a front aerial, you're gonna be squared off the entire time. Um, your head is gonna go down a little bit and probably look at the floor in a side aerial. Um, and although your head will go down, your chin will probably stay out as long as possible in a front aerial. So there are some differences that we do look for in any good aerial front walkover. we you know should see the head recovering last because it is a true front walkover. so like you know, head like eyes are following fingertips throughout the process. But really, making sure that head is recovering last, um, and then the the reverse can be said for you know that that side aerial moment. You want to make sure that the recovery is nice and sharp and bright, and that the head is actually like helping them stand up. The head is the heaviest part of the body, so we don't want to leave it towards the floor <laughs> longer than necessary. Um, but with the loopiness of that front aerial, we would see that difference of the head being out longer. The mechanics do. Have a similar effect with a front aerial. Um, you'll see a much, you'll need a much fuller arm swing. Like a full circumduction of the arms would be needed in a front aerial. And oftentimes, the opposite shoulder has to work a lot harder in a front aerial. So like, for example, if you're doing a right front walkover, in order to stay more square, you have to use your left shoulder and activate your left lats and ribcage more. So that way, your body is able to maintain its square shape throughout the process. So that has to be thought of as well, that that opposite arm as leading leg or as stepping leg going into these, these front aerial skills has to work extremely hard to leave the body extra square.
0: Mm. And I love what you said earlier about the progression of the progression. If something's going wrong, like if they're twisting in the front aerial, you need to go back to the walkover to see if they're twisting there. And then you just keep going down the line of the progressions to find out where the problem is
1: oftentimes it doesn't take very long for us to find it. Like go back to, to two hands, go back to one hand and see what's going on. See if they're able to stay square using their right hand and their left hand, like like their quote unquote near arm and far arm. All of those skills and progressions really matter to make sure that their body is actually working in alignment and, and staying safe throughout the process too.
0: I think a lot of teachers and maybe students as well, because the side aerial and the front aerial are popular skills, they think it should be easy. But I saw you post uh, maybe a month ago, something on your Instagram about Michael Jordan that reminded me that it doesn't take away the hours and the strength and the skill required for this skill. Do you remember that post?
1: Yes, I totally do. To, To quickly paraphrase with it, It was actually about Michael Jordan's mom. Um, Michael Jordan did not make the junior varsity basketball team one year. Um, Obviously, it would have been in high school. And basically, this this meme uh, was talking about how Michael Jordan's mom did not call the school. She didn't enroll him at a different school. She didn't call the athletic director. She didn't have a meeting with the coach. She told her son, get in the gym and work harder. And I love that. Like, sometimes it's not a it's not a yes thing right away you have to just get in the gym and or get in the studio and work harder keep working don't stop just because you didn't get it right away doesn't mean it won't happen ever you have to keep working and and you know fighting the good fight and keep like toughing it out so to speak there's something good about no every now and then or no lots because it builds character (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it is a good thing. It, we, we can't just be handing out these things like candy. Um, and they, they're not handed out like candy. You have to earn it. You have to work for it. You got to put in the work. So, you know, trust in the process, trust in your teachers. And of course, teachers trust in a great resource for teachers like acrobatic arts. Exactly.
0: Well, Drew, is there anything else you'd like to leave the teachers
1: and the students or the listeners to inspire them? I hope to be back on another podcast with you again soon at some point. Um, I would love to encourage and remind everybody that side aerial skills or aerial skills, flight skills are about height and rotation, but they are not a compulsory element in every jazz or lyrical solo. Um, They are fun to do and execute, um, but they are not a requirement. So use them sparingly, use them when they're beautiful and use them at the right time in our music and in our pieces of choreography. Um, and there's a good chance, especially if I'm judging a dance competition, if I've seen you do that right side aerial, you know, 10 times throughout, you know, the, the, the competition weekend, I'm definitely probably going to comment on the fact that I would love to see her left because it's sort of like doing right fuetes or doing only right pirouettes the entire time. Show me your left side too, you know, so make sure that we're working towards that left side and showing that off, especially if they have it, let's utilize it and show that too
0: drew fantastic information every time i talk with you or take a class from you i always end up with some wonderful teaching tips and today was no different and of course you are welcome on the podcast anytime
1: oh my goodness thank you so much it's truly a pleasure and honor to speak with you today i wish all of our listeners happy lofty and lifted side aerials and front aerials (laughs) If you would like
0: to learn more from Drew and our amazing Acrobatic Arts staff, remember the North American Certification Tour dates are out for the summer of 2023. Spots go fast. Visit acrobaticarts.com for more details. Thanks for listening, everyone, and have a great day.